thank you for downloading this in-ear entertainment podcast. You're listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. Sonnet 146. Poor soul, the centre of my sinful earth, feeding those rebel powers that thee array. Why dost thou pine within and suffer dearth, painting thy outward wars so costly gay? Why so large cost, having so short a lease, dost thou upon thy faded mansion spend? Shall worms, inheritors of this excess, eat up thy charge? Is this thy body's end? Then, soul, live thou upon thy servant's loss, and let that pine to aggravate thy store, by terms divine in selling hours of dross, within be fed, without be rich no more. So shalt thou feed on death, that feeds on men, and death once dead, there's no more dying then. That was Sonnet 146 of Shakespeare's Sonnets. I am Mark Chatterley, and I am joined, as always, by a very childlike... Jerry Hillis. Hello! Is that how you sounded when you were younger? I don't know. I probably sounded really weird. I bet you had the voice of an angel. No. And the soul of a devil. (laughs) I can't imagine you as a little kid. I actually can't imagine you without a beard. My profile picture on Facebook is me as a little kid. Really? Ooh, yeah. I will go. I'm going to go hunt this out while you talk about this sonnet. It's a very <laughs> depressing sonnet. Yeah. To read on a rainy afternoon, just you're all gonna die, and the only way to stop dying is when you're dead. <laughs> Which is such a weird thing to say. The only way to stop dying is to die. Like, oh, thanks. Oh, look, it's a little baby, Thierry. That is, that is... Not like baby. I was like, I don't know, three, four. Oh. I could walk. You could walk. That's true. You were a toddler then. Okay. Yeah. And you're wearing yellow overalls. Yellow's cool. Yeah, yellow is cool. I, that's, I As overalls go, it's just generally not a colour you go with. But I'm not... Maybe you do things differently in, in, in Latvia or Lithuania or Estonia or whatever weird European country it is you that's, come from. That's, that's where I'm from. <laughs> the cold, dark north. <laughs> they're the ones that have been in the news a lot, so they're the ones my brain is going to at the moment. <sighs> but no. Joe, it, Joe? I always called you Joe. Thierry is from Luxembourg. He speaks Luxembourgish, which amazing the amount of people I talk to who won't believe me that that's a language. How? I don't know. I go. I go. My friend Thierry he speaks lots of languages, but his 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 native tongue is Luxembourgish. And they go, "That's not a language." So what do you mean? They go, "They speak Dutch in Luxembourg, or they speak German." And it's like, yes, along with no, no, you've made well that. Dutch. We don't speak at all. Oh, okay. But you won't. Um... They they think I'm making up a language for your whole nation. That's is that what they, that that's just British people going, do you understand <laughs> me? He's really stupid. He's not understanding anything. No, it's a wonderful... You know, just... Have you ever watched um, 8 <clears throat> Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown? Uh, I've seen one of them. Okay, so it, so it happens quite a lot now. So in the UK... I didn't realise they were doing more now. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it happens... I watched the first one. Maybe once a month. So in the UK, there there's a, a comedy show called 8 Out of 10 Cats, so a comedy panel show. And there's also our countdown show which is kind of known the world over with letters and numbers and there was a big mashup channel four night where they got they mixed all these things so we ended up with comics doing countdown but 
there was um, a comment, Jimmy Carr, who was hosting it, asked the, the girl who does the numbers, the Rachel, what's her name? Um, she said, well, what you... That's what she should be known as, the Rachel, what's her name? He went, um, why, why did you study maths? Uh, and she goes, well, because it's the one true universal language. And Jimmy Carr laughed and went, what, like English? <laughs> Which I thought was absolutely brilliant because, yeah... It is. It is terrible. You you get brought up in an English speaking country, and there's this kind of you really should. You kind of get this kind of guilt put on you. This passive aggressive. You really should learn another language, but if you don't, it's not really a problem. It's kind of yeah. Everyone else has to learn English, so you don't worry about it. Yeah, and that is the overall feeling. It's kind of it's good to learn another language if you can, but if you can't, don't really worry about it. And so we teach language in the most crap way in this country. But then that's not necessarily... I mean, unless you go to touristy places, mm. people ne- probably won't speak English. Or they, they'll speak very, very broken English. It's like, you can go to Ibiza and you'll find people who speak English because... N- but if you go further into Spain, you're not going to find a single person who's going to able uh, yeah, yeah. to speak English to you and hold a conversation. Which is why I have you as a friend. That just just me to take around and have speak to other language people. Pretty much, pretty much. We, I'm, I. There's a possibility I might be doing a bit of a tour through various countries um, in Europe over the summer, just for ten days. Um, it's a big EV uh, electric car convoy thing. I'm considering trying to get you to come along so you can be my translator, <laughs> because I, I want to interview lots of people who are on this, uh, but they all speak various languages. There'd be Germans there and and. Uh, lots of other places who who's <laughs> I can't name at the moment because my brain's not working. But um, <coughs> as long as it's not weird, it is not like you don't make me speak Russian or something. Like no, that. It's, it's. I mean, there was a couple of Estonian people there last year, so I doubt you. Yeah, I don't speak Estonian. You, you don't speak Slavic languages, but no. But there, it would be useful for you to be there because I could do interviews with more people. Um, so, so mm. you might get a random email from me going. Do you want to come and and sleep in a very cramped car for ten days? It'd be lovely. Electric car, it'd be lovely. It's lovely because it's an electric car. Yeah. We, we're not getting the luxury one we wanted, but we might be getting a nice, a small mm. one. A small electric car, it's good. Anyway, nothing to do with Sonnet 146. No, it's everything to do with Sonnet <laughs> 146. I really want to see you working electric cars into Sonnet 146. Well, you know, if we kept using petrol, then then death for the planet would really come a lot quicker than... Uh... <laughs> That's brilliant! Oh, but it's, I'm going to start introducing in these last couple of Sonnets just utterly bizarre topics just to see you work them in. Just, just struggle to find the connection. Uh, it's yeah, I I agree with you. It's a very, very depressing sonnet. It's just kind of oh, and the words. I mean, because there are nice flowery ways to to describe death, but the ones he's that Shakespeare's using, death and sinful and oh, excess and worms, and it's all really kind of dragging you down. Yeah, especially after the um, the last one, the, the kind of nursery rhyme, more childish approach. This is just, you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to die and urms, urms, urms shall eat you. Worms <coughs> shall eat you. And not me, I'm not being buried in the ground. I'm going to be burnt. 
that's my plan. Not alive, that would be bad. But, but burn, burn the gaze at the stairs. Yes, just <laughs> I see that at the end, the end of my days, the neo Nazis get into power, and there'd be me and you up on some sort of inverted cross. You being burnt because you're a foreigner, and me being burnt because I'm a gay. It's fine. Maybe, maybe, uh. Nigel Farage will be next to us burning as well because he has a French pronounced last name. <laughs> but he's going to have it easy. The amount of alcohol he drinks, he's just going to go up like that. It'll be like, oh, yeah, when have yeah, he got? He's just going to explode and yeah. take half the audience with him. <laughs> Maybe that's why these old right-wing people drink quite a lot. It's so that if they ever do get put to the stake, they just burn quickly. Yeah. It's possible. I don't burn Nigel Burn has quite a nice flow to it. Just yeah. the the syllables and, and the the beats fall quite nicely. Yeah, burn, Nigel, burn. You could see, yeah, that would be a good chant. You could see that lasting on. Yeah, yeah. we shouldn't be talking about burning people on a podcast. No, we're gonna. No, I'm not. I'm not advocating burning people at the stake. Just, just. We would never do. I that. mean, I'm not a fan of of Na- Nigel Farage. <laughs> Nigel Farage. Yeah, he doesn't deserve to have his name pronounced with a French accent. Not if he's that racist. I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Excellent. I'm not quite sure how we got onto <laughs> that, and and how to bring it back to the sonnet. That's a bit. That's 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 like the pause in the second line. There, you're, you're just stumped for words. <laughs> uh, I I I'm gonna go straight back to the sonnet. I'm just ignoring you now. We're I'm, I'm gonna talk about the sonnet. I I like I I liked the the idea that. We, or at least I got the feeling from this sonnet that there was a kind of we try and ignore death by this whole painting thy outward wars so costly gay. I kind of saw that as a we put on makeup to make ourselves look younger and we yeah we hide the wrinkles and 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 we do the same with buildings We, we patch up old buildings so they don't show their age and because we want to give this idea that we're immortal but we're not except for me who is um, I, I'm not going to die I've decided I'm not dying okay that's do you not I hmm. think when I got very ill and basically the doctors were going we need to give you a transplant There's, and, and my chances of dying within a year were like roll of a dice kind of I, I like I had a they never gave it a percentage figure, but to be put onto the transplant list, you've got a 10% chance of dying within a year. And I was needing to go on the urgent list <coughs> before I, I started to get better, thankfully. Mm. So my chances of dying within a year must have been one in four, something like that. And at that point, I just went, nope, nope, I'm not dying. I've I've decided I am not dying. <laughs> and And that's it. There is no discussion around this anymore in my head. I'm not dying. I think I think that's how that's how it works. Well, in fact, just just people who pull through the worst diseases just through sheer willpower. And there is the whole the the whole studies that um, pe- people who pray for their own health when when they're ill kind of last longer than, yeah. than they should. Which isn't the prayer. There's there's no God coming down on you and just going, oh yeah, no, you're safe. They're not now. giving it up. Just, yeah, it's just your brain just fight. And I mean, 
your brain is is producing the chemicals for the rest of your body so it's and it's that thing where you can you tell someone who's in pain you you and unfortunately my dad had to do it to his dad and and it's where you sort of tell them you it's okay to go and they kind of die within a couple of hours it's like you give someone permission to give up but it's not giving up that's kind of the wrong word but just letting go yeah they let go yeah this is shakespeare (laughs) you're making me talk about my granddad's death you're upsetting thierry well there was i can't remember now there was an actor director who uh who died? I can't remember. I was I saw Robin Ince a few weeks ago, and he talked about it. A scientist, and he just he asked for permission to um to die from from his friend and wife. Okay. And they said yes, and then he he still lasted. Well, still he lasted another few days after that, and then he just kind of apparently his last words were just this: "This is it's exhausting to die." Just yeah, it's exhausting to be very very ill as well. I mean, you just kind of lie there and wait for the end. Yeah, it's uh, this is very depressing. But yes, I mean, I can't, I wasn't on death's door, but when I was ill, I was ill, and it was it was really bizarre. I've never and thinking back, it's really hard to picture. But I remember waking up, getting out of bed. So I'd wake up sort of mid afternoon, mid morning, um, getting out of bed, showering, putting some clothes on, and going downstairs. And that was me. That was my energy usage for the day done i i was i literally had to lay down on the sofa and it's a really weird thing to say because even now i'm going well that's ridiculous you just sit up on a sofa that that doesn't require any energy but it really does Mm. really it's a really really strange place to be in it was and i unfortunately i know it's going to happen again at some point which is a bit pants but sod it i'm not going to die and that's all that matters i'm immortal it's fine. I will find you a transplant, and if I have to kill and cut someone open myself, <laughs> you, you, you're dying. What have I done? <coughs> Nothing. I just like the look of your liver. <laughs> With a nice kiwi. <laughs> oh, liver is horrible. My other half eats liver, and it's just. I like liver. It stinks though when you cook it. I've never cooked it myself. Oh, it's it's when next time you come down here. I will get some liver from the butchers and Joe will make you some liver and onions. Hmm. But I might have to have the windows open because it reeks. Um, uh, uh, the sonnet. <laughs> Say things about the sonnet. I don't really... There's not much else to it other than just talking about how, how depressing death is. Yeah. And and what's going to happen to your body when you die and, and that you can't escape it. Unless you're Mark. Unless you're, unless you're me. Um, there's an interesting thing. I, I don't tend to read Wikipedia comments. This one's got quite a lot of comments on Wikipedia, so we're probably missing stuff, but it's stuff that isn't obvious, um, it seems to me anyway. Um, but there's something about some missing text in this one. So what do you have at the top of the uh, the first word, or first two words of the second line? I just, I just have three ellipses. Ah, so yours says, Poor soul, the centre of my sinful earth. And then what's it do? 
these rebels' powers that the array. Yes, but there's just there's three ellipses at the beginning of the line. So I have the word feeding in in the Wikipedia version. You're looking at a slightly different version. It says here there was missing text. Text. So I read directly from Wikipedia. The missing text at the beginning of line two is generally attributed to be a printing error, since the earliest version of the sonnet, the second line begins with a repetition of the last three words from the previous lines, commonly called an I skip error, which breaks the iambic pentameter. Shakespeare's intention for the line is a subject of debate amongst scholars, with most modern scholars accepting the emendation feeding based on internal evidence. Other guesses in court include thralled to, fooled by, hemmed by, foiled by, fenced by, flattering, spoiled by, lord of, and pressed by. So basically, part of this sonnet has been destroyed in, in, as a transcription error or printing error. And and the version I read out at the beginning is a guess. Hmm. Which is really interesting because I, I'm surprised that hasn't happened more. Seeming print I, I mean printing back then would have been in its still relative infancy. We we've talked about this before, haven't we? When the Well wouldn't they still have used um well, it was about 100 years after the printing press in Europe. Yeah, but it's... So it's still very young technology. Uh, yeah, yeah, because it would have taken a long time to propagate. It would have been a very complex and expensive piece of equipment. So most copies of the sonnets would have been done by hand. So it's very easy for transcription errors to come in. And even the printing, it's individual letters and words would have had to have been... It's not like nowadays when you print, you just click a button and it comes out as a perfect copy. And those days and even until relatively recently newspapers back when fleet street was a thing in london fleet street is that london oh god i can't remember or is fleet street um, america um, um mm, uh, to, google. to google where they moved there was one street in london which was <coughs> was where all the newspapers i think it was fleet street yeah and then they moved that sounds like it was around when when it became more digital everything moved but even yeah, even back maybe. then which was only what in the 80s 70s 80s at that time printing was you sent them the text and the printers had to put each individual letter into yeah, yeah. into a plate yeah. which is absolutely insane which is why um when you write if anyone who studied journalism the way you write is this kind of it's called the inverted pyramid um so you put the most important information at the top and then a news story becomes less and less informative as it goes on. Because if an article was too long, the printers <coughs> would just chop the bottom paragraph off. So your news story, when you write a news story, it's a really weird way of writing because every paragraph has to potentially end the story. So it's very strange. Um, and that's how why that comes it's about. It's really weird that that's still a thing today. Well, it's, it's, it's how I was taught. But I would argue if I ever had to teach journalism now... Um, which maybe one day I will. Um, I, it's something I'd love to do, teach. But I would argue that nowadays we don't have those limits imposed on us. So that way of writing doesn't matter. And and you see that now. Journalism's kind of become more, and it's because of the influence of the internet, more bloggy. There's more personal opinion. You know who's writing your articles generally. Uh, unless it's a random one you've been linked to. If you go to the site you always look at you get to know the writers and you know that certain writers have certain views on certain subjects and yeah it's i i would suggest that writing now still has to have an element of that because people want the information as soon as they can but it's less strict and you can have introductory paragraphs now so a lot of the stuff that i write 
the first paragraph is kind of a, as we've talked about previously or in our previous articles here, here and here, uh, where they're... Yeah, yeah, you link back to other content. Which you would never do in traditional printing uh, because that's a wasted paragraph at the beginning of the story. But that's all changed. But I don't know how universities are teaching it nowadays and journalism schools are teaching it nowadays. It'd be interesting to see. I don't. I, I never had a journalism module in school, so I wouldn't... All, my experience is just based on reading yeah it, things online it's interesting. but then you have you have stuff like long reads that are becoming more and more popular like 10,000 word plus articles yeah where you just one there isn't the paragraph that could end the story because it's a usually very long complex thing that stretches a lot of time or is a very deep analysis of a topic and 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 two there's just there is no running out of space. You just you just keep scrolling or click on the next page if it's one that's out for advert views. Yeah, and and that's and that's a really again another interesting development in journalism that never really existed before. We we kind of move newspapers does ha- do have um, what would they call them? They call them like opinion pieces, wouldn't they? And you'd know who wrote yeah opeds opeds yeah, yeah. and. But yeah, on the internet, it's taken a step further. Like you say, these long reads are, if you're interested in the subject, can be fascinating. But they require a lot more time from the journalist, not just the writing, but from the research. Because the journalist has to almost become, well, not an expert, but they have to know what they're writing about. Yeah. And so you can't pay those journalists, if you're paying them, the same rate (laughs) as someone who's just knocking out a press release. It's really, it's it's all fascinating. No, you might might pay those per piece yeah like have a um a, um a documentary style approach like you would the bbc would hire louis theroux to do three documentaries on x y and z south america yeah. for example x topics and then they would just pay him for that and he would produce those document rather than having ha- him in the building as a journalist yeah for 365 days a year and i think that's how shows like dispatches on channel four works I, I don't know if they've... They kind of go, we want a show on benefit fraud. And then a journalist gets has, is on a salaried month-by-month month thing and just goes off and, and creates a documentary on benefit cheats. And I don't actually know. It's quite interesting. It's fascinating. But yes, if anyone out there is in the power to give me a teaching position, I, I'm quite happy. We, we, will, we will open Chatterley Academy. <sighs> I... <laughs> <laughs> we should do that we should do that it's just getting to that point if you have enough money you can just open your own school you can well you can in this kind in in the uk yeah now, yeah you can anyone can open a school because of the academy system which is insane michael gove you're a moron well it it um it's based on the swedish model and in sweden they've um they've realized now that after a few years it um, increases class divide and racism. Yeah, well, but because all of those uh, very separatist groups, so right-wing Christian <coughs> groups, right-wing Islamic groups, right-wing political groups, just m- do their own school, yeah, yeah. set up their own school, and then they and children are impressionable, and that's why we have a national curriculum to give them a balanced view. To to ah, ah we're getting into a rant, and we're not talking about the sonnet, but. Interesting, there was a transcription error in this sonnet, and, and no one really knows what that word is. So the sonnet you're going to get read in a minute from Thierry will be slightly different, one word different from the one I read at the beginning. That will just be silence, because I don't have a word. We should put a da-dum in there. 
Okay, I'll do a dum. Uh, it's a reference to the previous one, podcast we did. You should you should listen to that too if you haven't. Right, I shall let you read. Sonnet one four six. Poor soul, the centre of my sinful earth, dum. These rebels' powers that thee array. Why dost thou pine within and suffer dearth, painting thy outward walls so costly gay? Why so large cost, having so short a lease, dost thou upon thy fading mansion spend? Shall worms, inheritors of this excess, eat up thy charge? Is this thy body's end? Then, soul, live thou upon thy servant's loss, and let thy pine to aggravate thy store, by terms divine in selling hours of dross, within be fed, without be rich no more. So shall thou feed on death that feeds on men, and death once dead, there's no more dying then. God, that is a really depressing sonnet. Yeah, that was Sonnet One Four Six of Shakespeare's Sonnets. I have been Mark Chatterley, and you can follow me on Twitter at inearent, and I have been Thierry Healers, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sound of Seagulls. And we will be back next time for Sonnet One Four Seven, which puts us at less than ten sonnets until the end. Blimey! Well, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten, six left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seven. seven left. That's <coughs> absolutely bonkers. We need to figure out what we're going to do on Thursdays after this. Um, but that's watch porn. <laughs> Mark and Thierry watch porn. Yeah, as a podcast, that might be a bit weird. Because either yeah, way, it it's going to be one of us screaming in fear. <laughs> ah, what's going on? What's that? No, don't do that. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we shall see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Shakespeare Sonnets with Mark Chatterley and Thierry Hellis. This has been an in ear entertainment podcast. To listen to other podcasts or find out more about in ear entertainment, go to www.inearentertainment.com.